talking about my musical career. Well, starting out, my earliest memory, I was five years old and I wanted to be an archaeologist. And like Dr. Leakey, Dr. Lewis Leakey was my hero. And he used to go, um, uh, be digging in old Ligors in Africa, and that was my dream. I wanted to be an archaeologist and discover human remains and you know dinosaur bones and whatever, you know. And then for my sixth birthday, my parents bought me the Beatles' Help album, you know. And uh, so I took this record and I put it on. And I swore this was like yesterday. I can see the turn, the little my little record player. It was black, and it had this like bubbly um, paper stuck to it, like wallpaper, and it had little silver jousting guys on it. And so my parents gave me this record, I opened it up, and I, I saw the Capitol logo, and I thought that was kind of funny, because I had my, the other record I had was a Beach Boys album, and it had the same logo. And I'm just tripping out, so I put it down, and I'm watching the thing go around, you know, a little rainbow thing. And then this sound came out of there, man, and it was like the voice of God. And it was just like, oh my, this is a lot for a six-year-old to, 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 to jest. But I knew from that moment on, I mean, I didn't wish, hope, pray, dream, think. I knew from that moment I was going to be a rock star. I knew it. So my whole life just changed. I just threw, threw all the way the archaeology stuff, started focusing on music. And then we moved and met a guy, just this guy was playing guitar in the street above me. And I walked up to him and said, hey, man, you played pretty good. I go, I sing. He goes, really? He goes, I got a mic. You want to sing my amp? I go, yeah, okay. So we started singing. And I go, hey, we started a band. I was 11 years old. And he goes, okay, so we got some buddies of his from high school, we started a band, and um, we didn't do anything. We, it, it morphed into another band, which went out and did backyard parties and whatnot. And then um, I, I got into another band at, at age 16 that was doing progressive rock, and they were playing original stuff, and they were playing up in Hollywood. I said, well, am I going to sit in this dingy backyard party band that just wants to play Robin Trower songs, or am I going to go do something that's got some potential, you know? So I split, I went with those guys for a while, they kicked me out for being a drug addict. And that was pretty bad because they took acid like every day. So you had to figure I must have been really off the kilter. <laughs> so they booted me out and I went back and I, I joined uh, another cover band. I found this ad and with the hopes of grooming them, they were good enough grooming them into an original act. And uh, no such luck, they, they, it was Audie was in the band. That's how I first met Audie. And um, uh, they kicked me out for drugs, and they asked me back, and they just said, just don't do drugs at the show. I was like, okay. Then I finally said, you know what, guys, we should go original. And, oh, we're not ready, we're not ready. I go, well, you know what, I am, see you later. So I split, and uh, then this guy, Mark Kendall, kept calling me up, and he was from the, the Crosstown Rival Band. Right? I never heard them, but they suck, because they're our rivals. Oh, those guys suck. Zizics, oh, they suck. You know what I mean? And then, so this this guy that sucks keeps calling me for like six months. You gonna come audition for my band, man? I'm like, oh man, these guys suck. What do I wanna go down there for? So finally I get sick of the guy calling me. I go, okay, I'll go. So I get down there, sure as I thought. They suck. Fat drummer, playing side stick, you know, bass player's got a mustache. You know, I'm like, what is this? I go, well, you know what? Um, I, I'm really looking for something original. And he goes, well, come here for me, come here. He takes me in another room, he starts playing me some songs. I go, those are really good. I, he goes, I go, those years? He goes, yeah. I go, dude, you quit your band right now, I'll quit the guys I'm jamming with, and we'll start a band right now. He goes, okay. 
So we did. He packed up all the stuff and drove to where I was rehearsing at. My band packed up my PA and drove over the hill to Whittier, just high-fiving all the way. We're going to make it, yeah! You know? So, yeah. And then many records later, you know? So we had a lot of good times. We had a lot of good times. I miss him. I miss him in my life, you know? I don't miss playing on stage with him. I mean, because I have a great band, you know? Uh, I miss the times we did. Um, but I miss him as a person because he was uh, he was my oldest friend. But as far as the new band goes, I'm home, baby. I've arrived. When I was 18, um, I was really bad to coke. You know? And being 18 years old, don't have a job, you're a musician, money's not easy to come by, and you can only con people out of so much cocaine. You know what I mean? And I hit the limit. So I thought, well, what am I gonna do? My friend goes, hey man, I know a guy. We can go rob him. I go. Why not? Just seem like, you know, let's go to the store and get an ice cream cone. Why not? So we went in. He had a gun. I had a knife. I said, give me a coke, man. I'm going to kill you. Okay. He gave us all that blow. We walked out going, oh, that was great, man. Jumped in a car, took off, you know. The car was already running. And we're like, that was so easy. We got out with like five ounces of blow. We're like, this is awesome. And I'm, I'm at a rehearsal giving candles. I'm like, where'd you get this? I go, I robbed a guy, man. He's like, yeah, right. He didn't believe me. He just snorting it. And then um, I went and did another one. Unfortunately, I got all screwed up on PCP before I went in and I blacked out. The rest of what you're going to hear is from the court transcripts because I don't remember any of this. Um, they said I went in, I had a partner. He said he saw me getting really weird because we smoked some really strong PCP. And he said, uh-uh, this is a good, he bailed. And he said, I went out, well, this is what the court says. The court said, I went outside and there was a maid there do water in the yard. And I went up to her and I said, give me the Coke. And she's all, no Coke, just Pepsi. Go to the refrigerator, help yourself. She thought I was a friend of the guys, right? Playing a joke on her. I mean, I, I, I don't mean to laugh, but it always reminds me of that Saturday Night Live skip, you know? So anyway, she realizes that I'm not, you know, a friend of the a friend of the guys, and she starts attacking me with water. She just squirted me or whatever, right? And the gun goes off. And um, the father was down the hill with the horses. And he looked up and he saw this guy with a ski mask, a gun, uh, wrestling with his uh, the maid. So he runs up and he grabs his briefcase full of money, and he goes into the bathroom and locks the door. Well, somehow she gets away from me, ends up in the bathroom with him. And they said I was pounding on this door, a solid old door, putting huge cracks in it. And then they said I shot through the door. The bullet went through the door, hit a St. Christopher medallion over her heart and ricocheted into her shoulder. I woke up on my knees on the floor with a gun. And I'm like, where the hell am I? And I went, oh yeah, I went to Rob Donnie. And I go, there, house is surrounded, the SWAT team. I'm like, oh no. I go, I'll unload the gun, they won't even know it's loaded. So I took the bullets out. I didn't even know I had shot to him. I stuck down the side of a waterbed, walked outside through the gun. They're all, what'd you shoot it for, you punk? I'm going, what? And then I heard my dad's voice tell me, one of these days you're gonna get all hopped up in this stuff, you're gonna shoot somebody. And I'd be like, yeah, right, dad. I'm gonna have a gun. How am I gonna shoot somebody? I'm going, I fucking shot somebody. Unbelievable. And then I go to court, they give me eight years. And through a bunch of clerical mistakes and screw-ups here and screw-ups there, I get out, I get out in 11 months. And after 11 months and a year or so later, I signed my first record here. So I got out, I must have been just 20, or almost 20, I must have shot 20. 
And uh, I had a show six days after I got out, our first show through the... I'm like, come out of jail, a mustache, you know, big old band, big old bell-bottom Levi's, a t-shirt, you know. And uh, they, they go, nope, nope. They throw these Jordache jeans on me and <laughs> all this other stuff, spandex. I'm going, what? And so, you know, I had to get used to all that. We had other members, Tony Montana, Tony Richards, whose name is actually Orlando. I changed it to Richards because going to Orlando, you know. So and then um, we had Gary Holland after Tony Richards, and we had Don Costa first, and and. And Mark, we were we were the power trio with the singer, and then we ended up bass player quit. We got Lauren Black, who rest in peace. Um, and then we had talent, uh, Gary Holland and Mark and myself. And I talked Mark after the first album. I talked him into doing uh, getting a keyboard player, a rhythm guitar player, because I always want you know that to fill the sound out. But the shot in the dark album was a complete miss. I mean, it was over keyboarding. It was like now we have a synth. Let's use it all the time. You know, that's my least favorite record. But um, nonetheless, it was a record that launched um, that launched uh, one's bitten album. So, you know, got us another record deal. We, uh, Don Dawkin was very instrumental in that. Uh, I met Don through Gary, because Gary had played with him in Europe, I guess. Uh, Don and I became fast friends. Um, and he was always into helping me out, so he brought this uh, guy from Green World Records or Enigma down to see us and it was Alan Niven and he wanted to sign the band to his label and this is one one thing was you got to change the name we're like what okay how about Great White because he had called he had heard me call Mark that I used to call Mark the Great White Mark Kendall the Great White on the guitar you know not because of the name of the band just because he was so damn light you know what I mean <laughs> he had mixed he'd wear a white jumpsuit so I said call him the Great White you know because I'm into sharks so he goes, you got to change your name. We're like, to what? He goes, how about Great White? We're like, what? That's the stupidest name we've ever heard. We're going, nah, man, we get rid of Dante Fox, we'll lose all our following, like 500 people, you know? So he goes, so we cock-talked us into it. So we went to meet at his house one night to sign the contracts, and he comes in, we're all sitting there. He's like, I got some bad news. I go, what? He goes, uh, my company didn't want to sign you. He goes, so I quit. I go, really? He goes, yeah. I go, because I don't know what I'm doing now. I go, why don't you manage us? He goes, I don't know a thing about managing. I go, you'll learn. He did. You know? For a while, he was uh, you know, one of the top managers in the business, handled us in Guns N' Roses. You know? But then he took that big stick and waved around at one too many people. And then when he lost Guns N' Roses, we were screwed. Like, no, nah, ain't doing you no favors, man. Remember what you did with Guns N' Roses to us? So it was time to let him go. Wishing the best, but bye bye.